I'm Brinkley. And I'm Whitney. And this is the Blooming 30s podcast. We are two best friends living long distance that have found connection through marriage, motherhood, and growing in our 20s. Join us in our conversations as we bloom in our 30s. Hey buds, happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the podcast. Trying to get more exciting with these intros. I know. (laughs) What's up? What's up? It's January. Everybody hates January. (laughs) But we're here. We're going to have a good week. Uh, We are a little better. February is on the horizon. Actually, this might come out in February. I don't even know. Yeah. When does this release? Nope. This will be the last Wednesday. Okay. So we've almost made it out of the eternal January. And then January or February is a little funner because it's like, I don't know, Galentine's. You got something to look forward to. Yes. Going to be good and not going to be happy because (laughs) five people are going to leave us a review. We're manifesting it. Five people are leaving us a review and we're going to be so happy. So go leave us a review. Which we did get a review. Let's shout them out. Two people that gave us reviews. Thank you so much. Um, She left it on January 3rd. This is Jen Hugh. And she said, I feel so supported listening to this podcast. These ladies are down to earth beauties. Oh who have an incredible talent of helping you feel like you're a friend, will be a longtime listener. That's so nice. Wow, Jen, we love you. You are so, so down to earth and beautiful. That was so nice. Okay, the next one, one yeah. um, is from Firewife Boy Mom. The usernames are so fun. I just like, I, I want to like it. problem solve who it is. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, yeah. who is, I don't know. Anyways, it I says, know. I love listening to each weekly episode after moving away from family and friends and sometimes feeling lonely. It's refreshing to listen to because it feels like I'm having a good chat with my best friends. Mm. Truly our goal. Yeah, really really. our goal. The We've whole been there. goal. Yeah. We moved we away from friends and family. We gotta do a whole episode on that too. Like Ooh. moving away and It's a lot. It's hard. Ways. Yeah. It yeah, so we gotta hard. do that episode soon. That will be a good one. So Anyways, we need a review. <laughs> so nice, you guys. If you haven't left a review, please go leave one. We would love you forever. Um, or share us on was, your stories. Like, if you don't know how to yes. write a review, honestly, like, I don't think I've ever left a review for a podcast, which is so mean. <laughs> I need to be better about that. But sharing us on your stories is like just oh, as exciting. Maybe just more. As exciting. I don't know. No, totally. Okay. Do you have your bloom for the week? I sure do. Um, Milan had a cheer comp this weekend, and this is our second one of the season, but I was gone for the first one. I was in Dallas. That's right. Yeah. Um, so this was the first one like I got to go to, and obviously people know I'm not a crier, but something about these comps, I cry every time, and oh. I don't – it's not even – I don't know what it is. I think it's just like I obviously know how hard she works for it and like how much yes. it means to her, and then like watching her up on the stage, like – She's so little because she's like with teenagers on her team and she's so little, but she is like just so fiery up there. Like yeah. you can just tell like she is just in her element. And it's honestly, like thing. I kind of hate cheer. Like I, if it were up yeah. to me, like we wouldn't do it. It's just a lot. And like it's very time consuming and it's a lot of commitment and it's pretty strict. And like half the year, I'm like, we're not doing this next year. Half the year, I'm like, I'm done. And then it comes comp season and I'm like, wait, like I can't take this away from her. Like she looks like just thriving up there. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just so fun to see it in real life. Cute. She just is so happy up there. I'll post some pictures of her faces. Her coach came up to her after. And I think like a lot of, I don't know anything about cheer. So in case you guys don't either, a lot of their points are like on their facials and like how like sassy they can be and like how like 
animated they can be. And so, yeah, she nails that, like nailed it. So it's just really fun to just see this other side of her up there. Just so confident. Oh, cute. I saw your story of her on stage. What, right? Was it a story or did you send me a video? Yeah. A it was story. a story. I posted I was story. watching it next to Cam and he was looking and he was like, she's with all these older girls. Like yeah. it was, it was shocking. And I was like, yeah, she really is like, yeah, she is she's, it's so funny to like there. see her like hang out in like their circles, like talking to all these girls. Cause most of them are like old. She's coming in yeah. now. Cause she hears, she can hear you her. talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> most of them are like in their teens. There's a few other, I want to say like two or three other girls mm-hmm. that are like more like 10 um, mm. or 11, I think. I don't know. But even though then she's just she's short. I mean, she's tiny for her age, let alone next to 15 year olds. It's funny to like watch her like stand Interact in groups them. and like, yeah. just chat with them. And it's funny, like the stuff that she comes home and, and asks me about is different, obviously, because she's hanging out with like 15 year olds. She told me she's like, mom, they do this thing at practice and she sang it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that takes me back. And it was like, hey, girl, do that thing. Do that thing. Now switch. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, that's what I used to do. So a flashback. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot about that. So just cute. Dang. That's cute. She really has the best personality to fit in with like any ages. I can totally see her thriving with older girls. Yeah. I love that. My bloom. I feel like we had a really, really good weekend, which not all weekends are good. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I'm going to kind of share like a little compilation. One thing that I feel like is sometimes sad about the way we do it we share like one bloom is it's like there's so many things I want to catch up on and like share you know so I'm gonna do like a rapid round catch up on what's been going on so um I ended up having to take one of our bunnies out of town to get a surgery and so I got to have like a whole me day on Friday and wow it was so nice to just be by myself and like not be in like the typical groundhog's day of being a mom and getting your kids off to school and just like all of the normal stuff that we have to do every day. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. I like got to go to lunch by myself. I went thrifting. I wanted to go see a movie. That was the thing I was so excited about was like, I love going to the movies, especially alone. Really? I've never been by myself. I have another friend that goes by herself all the time and I'm like, I have not been converted to that yet. But anyways, my bunny got done with surgery too early. So I I wasn't going to make the movie, but that was such a good day. And then Saturday, we had such a good family day. We went to the movies because <laughs> I was obviously craving the movie. <laughs> um, and that was so good. And we came home. This is so crazy, but we came home and my kids were like playing outside on their bikes and stuff. And I found all of this like leftover plywood in our garage. And I said, Cam, like we've been wanting to redo under our kitchen sink for a long time because it's just like really like creaky and like part of it was like falling almost um like detached and um I've lately been noticing like a scent in there and I'm like I think we just need Mm -hmm. to like rip it all out and like redo it but we have all this plywood let's just go measure it really quick and cut it and like install it really quick um and so it felt really fun to work on a project we haven't done a house project I don't think in what feels like a while um what's crazy is like he went to go and like pull everything out from under the sink and we found a huge spot of black mold, like huge nightmare. I know. And I've been following, I don't know if any of you guys follow Erin Williams. She's an influencer, but she has had a nightmare situation with black mold. Nightmare. And I've been, no. And I've been following a lot of it. And like, I feel like just learning a lot about black mold, Mm -hmm. which is 
it's like just in case just like stored in the brain yeah it's good to know like the warning signs totally so yeah we found that and it was scary so we had to rip out more than we were intending on um but it was like so seamless and nice because everything we needed we had already which was really really the best kind of project I know I know and so it was honestly a really good kick in the pants to like clean everything out and like reorganize everything and I don't know I just got a lot of fulfillment out of that so it was just all in all a very 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 good weekend what movie did you see with your kids we saw migration you guys saw it right so cute so cute I can't wait for it it to come out yeah yeah it was darling asking is it out on the tv yet and I'm like but yeah (laughs) I know they're so impatient I feel like there it's been a while since we've had like a really good kids movie and there were so many previews for some really cute ones coming up like if the imaginary yeah. friend one. Yes. That looks That cute. one looks so fun. And Ryan Reynolds is in that one. Yeah. My man. Um, and then, of course, Inside Out is coming out, which Yes, I'm so, so excited, excited for that one. I love Inside Out. Oh, also, the biggest bloom of my weekend. This is the whole point I was going to share was I have been making strides with more friends here where I live. And <laughs> wow, I know. <laughs> It's crazy because, like, I think I just convinced myself for so long that, like, I was busy enough. I was at max capacity. I couldn't have more in my life. Mm-hmm. I was good. But then I, like, I was telling Cam, like, more and more, like, most of my connection is literally through my phone. Yeah. Most of my connections on a daily basis are through my phone. And, like, yeah. that's not normal. <laughs> well, and it's I- all of our stuff that we talked about during our friendship episode. Like, it was truly, like, life's busy enough. I'm good. I don't need yep. it. I'm connecting with people through social media. And like, yeah, that's good for like a little bit. And then mm-hmm. over time, you're just putting a bandaid on a bigger problem. It's true. And so it's crazy too. Cause I always say like, you don't know how much you need something until you, I guess I'm not saying it right, but like a lot of times, like you don't know how needed something was until it's either gone or added. Right. Like mm-hmm. you don't even realize yeah. it until you actually do it yeah. and do what you need to do. And I feel like so much of this whole journey of like making friends for me was like, I've become a no girly (laughs) and I've been saying no to a lot more in my life. And so max capacity has like gone down where I felt like I had more room in my life to fill with other things. So anyways, I've been just putting myself out there You were saying no to things that weren't serving you anymore. And now look, there's room for things that serve you. That do serve me. that's the benefit of saying no to crap that we don't need in our life. It's it. so true. It's so true. So it's just made me feel like a completely different person. Like it really has. And it's just give, given me the pep in my step that I've just been needing for so long, but I just didn't know how to get what it. to do or how to do it. Yeah, yeah. Just all of that. So I got together with girlfriends over the weekend and like what was supposed to only be like a couple of hours turned into hours and hours together. And it was so good. So this week I'm actually having like, I'm hosting my first girls night at my house. Yay! I'm really putting myself out there, guys. So <laughs> you have to, again, referencing our friendship episode. You have to is, do it yourself. You have to do it yourself. Like yeah. if you're not in getting invited to a table, build your own freaking table. Like, do it yourself. Do it yourself and the benefits will come. I'm so yeah. proud of you. So good. Best feeling. I know. Yeah. So it's been really, really fun. So I'm very yeah, excited yeah. for the future. And like even for my kids, I feel like so much of like my kids and even the community here is like every, all of us as moms, like it's on our shoulders. Yeah. And I felt that pressure weighing on me a lot where like my kids have been craving more. And so yeah. I just feel like lately I've made decisions where I'm putting us back on the truck that like 
I know in my heart is like where we should have started a couple of years ago. I just couldn't. Like I had no But it's okay. Ability. But like yeah. I feel like it's so easy with everything in life to say like, why didn't I do this before? I know. Or like working out or dieting or trying a new business or anything. It's like, why didn't I do this before? But it's like, you weren't ready then and the space wasn't there. And like, yeah. that's okay. And like Timing when your is time okay. is ready, like it will happen. Mm -hmm. And like, that's so okay. True. When it's meant to be, it will be. It's so true. Q, um, who sings that song? <laughs> if it's meant to be, it'll yeah, be. Yeah, what is that? that <laughs> If only we knew how to like dub that in. I know BB Rexa is in it. I don't know who else. Anyway. Today we are doing, I don't even like want to like niche it down, but we're basically doing a postpartum episode. Um, But I think like an all encompassing, all encompassing, I don't know how to say that, but postpartum because I got you, girl. it's a little bit of like a current event ones but then also like sharing a little bit more about our experiences postpartum but yeah. if you're on instagram chances are you know who ballerina farms is like and if you don't go and give her a quick little follow um yeah. she has been getting a lot of heat lately for she is 10 days 12 days postpartum with her eighth baby and she is competing in miss america or miss america mrs world mrs yeah. world she is yeah. miss america or Miss American. I don't know which one the difference is. I know. There's a lot of them. So she won Mrs. American when she was barely pregnant with this baby. Like, didn't announce Bare that she, she was had pregnant. She announced. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Mrs. World happened. And I think technically when the pageant first started, it was – she was eight days postpartum. Okay. Obviously with her eighth baby. And – um. It's a very hot topic on social media yes. right now. So we kind of wanted to touch on it a little bit in this episode, like just talking about all of it, because I think there's such a good conversation to be had. With yes. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, this is her freaking eighth kid. So it's not yeah. like she's a first time mom. Like she knows out what she's doing. Yeah. She knows what she's doing. She knows her limits. She knows her body. Like let the woman do what she wants to do for crying out Truly. loud. But yeah. so I feel like there's two sides to it obviously we have like half of pe the people are like wow go you that's amazing mm -hmm. I look up to you that's so inspiring look at what you're doing eight days postpartum literally like competing in this world and then the other mm -hmm. half of the audience is how dare you set an unrealistic expectation for postpartum you're not mothers. bonding with your baby like yeah like there's a, it's going disgusting. a lot of directions yeah. yeah like a lot of it is really targeting unhealthy messaging really as i yes. feel like it's where really, a big argument is going it's like they're making her responsible for being an example to yeah. postpartum moms out there and i feel like i'm in a like i I think I am. I'm in a unique perspective because I really see both sides. And like mm -hmm. if one person's talking to me about one side, I'm like, absolutely, yes. And then the other person is like saying this side and I'm like, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. The one thing I do not agree with is that she should be responsible for showing exactly something. I just I, think if you're going to an influencer or a brand for your inspiration on how to be, no matter what it is. Wrong like, place. Stop doing that, basically. Wrong place. <laughs> like, like it, 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 don't go to Instagram for that. Like, no. Truly. And I want to share this clip. Um, I saved it over the weekend because I was like, she basically said everything that I have that you were had thinking. in my head. Yeah. Well, I'm excited but, to hear it because oh, maybe it'll help. It'll help me see it because 
I am very much so a supporter of what she's doing. I I look at it and I go, there's no way I could do it, but I know my limits. And I look at it and I go like, this is a woman that is truly showing how to be a freaking woman. And like, it doesn't matter what's in our way. Women get it done. And this is clearly something that she wanted to do. And if she can do it at eight days postpartum, give her all the power. I feel like the only place that I am not, not, not in support because I totally am is it's like more. I think of it if I were in her shoes totally. and like, I try to think about like, cause obviously I don't know what's going through her mind and there, it, we could be completely off. Like in my head, I want to say she knows her limits. She knows her body and she made this decision like proudly and she stands behind it. I'm hoping she's not like feeling forced to do this, feeling like she was in a position where she couldn't say no. It was a people pleaser situation that she felt like she had this expectation that she had to live up to and she's going to push herself beyond her capabilities to do this. That's that's how I would be feeling in that situation. Totally. I have this huge platform. I miss American. I have Miss World. I can't let everyone down. I have to suck it up and freaking get Mm -hmm. out there and do it. And I'm going to do it with my head held high, but I'm going to be pushing past my own personal limits and saying yes to something that I really wish I was saying no to. Yeah. And so I I can see that that that's not the case with her. I don't think think it is, but that's where we don't know. I don't think it is either. Like, I think that she's a very smart woman. And obviously with your eighth kid, like, you know what you're doing. I think she planned her pregnancy. I think she knew when she wanted to have her baby. I think she knew when Mrs. American, she, she applied and won Mrs. American representing the state of North Dakota. She didn't even represent Utah. She had already won for Utah. So she couldn't apply for Utah anymore. Well, and she was pregnant at the time. So like she knew that she, knew she would she be doing. competing, which I, I honestly part of it think where... makes the biggest difference because it's not like she just got thrown into something unexpectedly yeah, postpartum. Yeah, yeah. She had her entire pregnancy to prep and plan yes. for this. And that's where a lot a of people were also having a hard time with. I think the main part of it that is where people are getting so passionate on both sides is because they're relating it to themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think that it has to not be that way. Yes. I think it's so easy to relate it to ourselves, but I think we have to sit there and go, but it's, it's not, not about me. me. It's it doesn't not my lessen life. me as a life. woman or a mom because I didn't do that. Like it has yeah. nothing to do with me. It's not my business. Another part of it too that I saw when it came to like prepping for the pageant is like people were like super heated about, oh, she's just showing off that she can do the splits nine months pregnant. And it's like, no, it's like she's literally training for this pageant. Yeah. She was doing all of her ballet stuff and stretches and all of that stuff. And I think it's because she but was also preparing she for this. But also she did that with her other pregnancies too. You can scroll back and find her doing ballet at nine months pregnant. This is a woman that went to Juilliard babies. for ballet. This is like, normal for her. Homegirl is thing when like people are working athlete. out hardcore at gyms and people come after them and like get yeah, out yeah, of yeah. them. If that's their normal, it would be harder on their body to stop than to keep yes. doing it. Oh, you're so right. I'm glad you said that. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Very good point to make. I'm going to play this podcast little clip. Neilman, she is an Instagram influencer. She's a business owner. She is a mom of, I want to say, eight children now. She won the title of Mrs. American in 2023. She boasts about 8.5 million followers on Instagram. She is now uh, receiving criticism because of what some people are calling unrealistic expectations or unrealistic standards for postpartum. So she just had her eighth baby. And over the past 12 days, 
days, she has been extremely busy. Here's my take on all of this as freshly postpartum myself, it's four months postpartum. Number one, I think that we all need to do better at not centering ourselves in every post that we read on social media. If a post makes you feel bad about yourself, if it tempts you to comparison, if it makes you feel insecure, if it makes you feel envious, if it makes you feel discontent, that is not the fault of the person posting. That is something that is in your own heart that you need to work through with the help of the Holy Spirit and maybe the help of a community. Maybe not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <talk> you th- <laughs> I'll just end there. No, I love that though. It's, it really is. It's like, I hate the idea of like, oh, she's setting an unrealistic standard for who? Why but are this you is realistic for her. So if right. it's unrealistic for you, that's Set a, a different you. standard for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's okay. a you problem. And yeah, I yeah, felt yeah. the same way years ago. I don't even know if people remember this, but like, do you remember the whole like Colin Karchner blogger bullying phase? Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, his whole message was like basically this it, bloggers or influencers are making people feel bad about themselves and like they are need to be held responsible for how crappy people feel after they're on Instagram. And that is just something I just don't subscribe to. No. If you feel crappy after being on Instagram, you got some Get inner off. work you need Get to do. Get off Instagram and fix yes. yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So if you feel icky or like crap or like, any sort of sort of feelings after seeing Hannah's stuff, that's a you problem. Yeah. If you had the mindset of like, wow, I could never do that, but like that's amazing for her, that yeah. is like where your mind should be. It's hard because I've seen this discussion go so many ways. I've seen people have a problem with, okay, if Hannah Neeleman wants to promote this or do this, then that's one thing. But for her to take it to the brand of Ballerina mm-hmm. Farm, that's that is where it goes wrong or whatever. But Ballerina Farm, she's the face of Ballerina Farm. And Ballerina Farm yeah. is like the whole reason why she is like it's it encompasses who she and her you husband are. You could say are. it's unrealistic for her to share that she went to Juilliard. That's just like an unrealistic expectation of us. And to me, I just sit there and I go, you know what? Like, and if people I want to post this clip when we share this, but I followed her journey on when she competed for Mrs. American. I followed the Mrs. World pageant. I'm not a pageant girl by any means, but when I find somebody that I think is all deserving and works hard at their craft and what they do, like I'm going to go in full and support her. And, and I loved a question that she was asked in the pageant for Mrs. American. And it was, where have you felt the most powerful in your life? And she teared up. And it's wild now seeing that, like, she had a baby in her belly and nobody knew when she answered this question. But she said, the most powerful feeling has been when she has brought her baby's earth side. I'm literally getting chills telling you guys this. But when, and she said, I have, I have experienced this powerful feeling seven times. And I just, I took that and I just went, what an example. Like, does that mean I need to have seven kids to be considered an amazing mother? No. Does that mean that I need to be in a pageant when I'm newly pregnant or freshly postpartum? No. I think it just goes to show that like she is setting an example that you can do anything. Yeah. And, and that being a mother doesn't suddenly denounce you of all of the opportunities in the world, whether it's running a business, running a farm or competing for Mrs. World, you can can do do it. it. And that's the way I view it. Yes. 
I, I agree. Like, if anything, like, look at what she's doing as, like, women are freaking badasses. Like, yeah. would a man do that? Hell no. Like, <laughs> there's nothing no. we can't do. No. There's and nothing it's funny, we can't there was, do. A real sound that I was just scrolling through my phone the other day and Phoebe, my second, was sitting next to me and the sound was a girl. I don't even know what she was saying, but she was like, and I said to myself, how hard can it be? Boys do it. And then yeah. she said, this is a oh, trending that audio. took me back. How hard can it be? Boys do it. And yeah. Phoebe asked me what that meant. And I was saying like, well, she kind of was explaining that she didn't think that she could do it but then she remembered that boys do it so that reminded her that she could freaking do it it so Mm -hmm. she did it and I thought it was really powerful one that Phoebe was sitting there and listening to that I have three girls and Mm -hmm. I am very much a believer of I can do whatever the freak I want like Mm -hmm. I do not subscribe to the fact that I don't do something because I'm a woman I'm limited because I'm a woman none of that like if I want to do something I'm going to go out and freaking do it and it was Mm -hmm really special to be able to turn and say that to my daughter like yeah she thought she couldn't do something because she's a girl and then she remembered boys do it why can't she do it so yeah and so it was just a really special that's me think of hannah and all that like you can you can do it and that's only if you want to do it i think that's where it's like getting fuzzy from people is like if you don't want to do that you couldn't pay me enough money to do that postpartum but like i respect that she did it oh, and I, killed it. I love that she did it and that she showed that you can and not to get too into like the politics of it all. But I think yeah. in today's society, we see and we complain about all the time is like we have to take a little accountability here for the mm-hmm. things that we feel less than in because yes, even though there is so many things out there that need to change when it comes to equality for women, a lot of it is our mindset. And so mm-hmm. we need to sit there and we need to say like, okay, well, I'm sick of being treated less than just because I'm a woman. Hannah Ballerina Farm did not look at herself less than because she was eight days postpartum. Yeah. She just arranged her life to make it work. Also, I have to crack a joke here because I was like, turned over to Cameron when all of this was happening. And I was like, you want to talk about how her competing in Mrs. World eight days postpartum is an unrealistic expectation? Here's what I think is more unrealistic is the fact that her husband flew with seven kids by himself <laughs> to Vegas. <laughs> to Who is this her. man? Who is this man? Like that is way more unrealistic. That's unrealistic. You're setting us all up for failure to be disappointed in our husbands. (laughs) No, literally. I'm like, who is this man? Like I was waiting to see if there was a family member helping him or whatever. And he did it again when she competed in Mrs. American. He did it back then too. And I'm just like, you can do anything. He even, when she was out of town competing for Mrs. World, still took all of his kids to church. Would I do that? Absolutely Absolutely not. (laughs) Nope. So I just think like all around, we need to look at people. We need to give them so much praise for being able to do things that they're doing. And just to know, like, look, I was two weeks postpartum when my brother got married in a different state. I didn't go to the wedding because I didn't feel like I could. And do I now look at, you know, other people that are accomplishing things postpartum and and go like, oh, well, they did it. Now I feel guilty that I did it. No. No. Because it doesn't matter. You got to make your decisions and freaking own it. Own it and be okay with what you feel you need. And it's funny because as, and maybe you can relate to this too. I think you can actually. I know you. But like, (laughs) as we've had each of our babies, we've really come to the conclusion of rest for us. Yeah. And, and this is completely separate from the topic of ballerina farm, but like 
when I first had my first, I was very much so get out of the house, Mm -hmm. get dressed. Like I just wanted to feel like myself again. That's what I needed at that time. But as I kept having more babies, I wanted to be in bed as long as I Mm -hmm. possibly could. Yeah. Um, And so I think it's important that you find what you need and maybe that's going to vary baby to baby and that's totally fine too. Totally. Well, I think even something with Hannah that I'm like, I know that she makes decisions based on each baby and like she does what she sees fit in that situation. Most of her babies have been at home and then she's had some at the hospital. You don't see that a whole lot where people flip flop back and forth. Um, But like that just proves like she is open to doing whatever best based on the situation. Um, So yeah, I've, and it's crazy because I am super, super, super passionate about resting postpartum. And it's something I think we do not talk about enough. I didn't know, like, and I've grown to learn this that, and I can even sit here and say, like, I'm super passionate and think that we need to rest postpartum and recognize that like what she's doing is so cool. Like, and Oh, totally. I see it from your perspective, especially as someone who, I mean, you're trained in this area. And so where you can sit here and you can speak on a topic that we really are so uneducated on. Mm -hmm. And uh, this too, I feel like this was recently come out that you're technically postpartum for mm-hmm. seven years. Seven. Wasn't it two? We were taught two forever. Yeah. And then I heard seven and I'm like, okay, so I'm technically, I'm I'm postpartum with three of my kids still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe it. Like full-fledged oh, yeah. believe that. Like it takes so long for your body to regulate. And then I was telling someone this the other day, they're pregnant and they were talking about like, oh, I can't wait to just have the baby and like go back to normal. And I was like, girl, it doesn't go back to normal. Like you mm-hmm. got like, and then if you're breastfeeding, like you got another year or however long you do on top of that, that your hormones are still out of whack. So yeah, it, it's a lot. And I think it's very easy to, I don't know, blame postpartum. But then again, mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to that mindset of like, she just freaking did it. Like I could mm-hmm. sit here and be like, mm, I'm postpartum still. Like I'm going to. And again, wallow, I think it's kind of. We talk about this all the time. It's all mindset to me where I'm like, oh, like it's kind of comforting to know that yes. like I'm still considered. I mean, my baby, my baby baby is about to turn three next month in a couple weeks. I don't feel postpartum like I did yeah. the first year of her life. But to know that like, hey, you're fine. There's Look still at what you parts did. of your body that are like. Mm-hmm not the same. Mm -hmm, That's why I think the bounce back culture is so dumb. And because we're not meant to bounce back. I don't ever want to bounce back. I don't want to be the same person. I never will be the same person. Like, well, and I think even like visually, if someone has bounced back, like, come on, girl. Yeah. You know, things are hurting. You know, it's not the same. It's like I lay down. I lay down at the end of the night and my ribs still hurt. Like when I lay down and then I can literally feel them like, okay, they're relaxing for the day. I'm like, I thought that was going to go away after I had babies. This is just my body now. Like, (laughs) yep. It it stays. Hormones are different. Like your body is just different after and it's not a bad thing. Don't No, it's honestly cool. And I I love that you're saying that like, I don't want to bounce back. Like you want to be who you are now because you're a mom, you're a mother. Yeah. I saw something that said like once like if you change the like how you say like oh I look like a mom to like I look like a mom like yeah like same thing but like yes a mom is so beautiful like that's such a beautiful thing that like if we can look at ourselves in that way instead of like I look like a mom like 
It's actually funny you said that because um, Cam and I, a couple weeks ago, we were on a date and I I asked him, I was like, if you just saw me randomly in public, like didn't know who I I was. I asked this all the time. Do you? (laughs) I said like – I just have to like make myself feel better. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, how old would you think I am or would you think that I look like a mom? And I think like, yes, like I feel so powerful knowing that I look like a mom. And maybe people that don't know me would think, yeah, maybe one or two kids. And I think that's where the shock factor comes in of – Oh, I have four kids. Yeah. Um, but I love that. There's something yeah. so it's powerful a good thing. and fun. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I can't sleep without a pillow between my legs. My pelvis is wrecked yeah. for the rest of yeah. my life. But like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. My babies are here. I did the work and I'm so Grateful. happy. I'd rather sleep with a body pillow the rest of my life than not have them in my home. Yes, and truly. So I just think it is all about mindset. But speaking of mindset, we don't always have a good mindset and we suffer and we struggle. And I I would really love to kind of highlight that in the episode today of like both of our experiences. Mm -hmm. It varies with each baby, like we said. And Mm -hmm. hopefully if anyone's out there that's like struggling or you're nervous because you're about to be postpartum or you've been postpartum and you felt alone in your experience, I think it'd be really fun for us to talk about ours. And to yeah. hear other women talk about theirs because you're so not. And there's a million things yeah. that happen postpartum that we've never experienced. Like it's just, there's a lot that happens. Yeah. So yeah, truly. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start with Milan. Um, obviously she's my first kid. First of my friends that had kids, like I, my sister had a baby by then, but like I wasn't super close with her. So like I wasn't there with her postpartum. I was away at college. Yeah. So like I didn't see it firsthand. So really I feel like I went in very blind. And I think this mm-hmm. was before the age of social media where we said we need to show this stuff. Like it was yep. all very much pretty pictures. and Not talked about. We did yeah. not talk about what happens postpartum. And I feel honestly so jealous of first-time moms that are having their babies now because I'm like you weren't going in as blind as we were we were going in so blind we had no idea I think it's a double-edged sword too though because I'm like okay part of me is so glad I was naive and like in the dark about stuff I wasn't scared because I probably would have freaked myself out yeah and I get it I get why more and more we're seeing people that are like I don't want to have kids y'all make this look miserable yeah I'm like true (laughs) true um but I mean with her I had looking back, I didn't know any of this stuff like at the time, but definitely Mm -hmm. looking back, I had insane postpartum anxiety and Mm -hmm. it was very much so centered around like control. Like I felt like I had to, I don't know, control exactly what time she went to bed or her nap or when she ate or anything like that. I was very, very anxious about. And then I also like had the intrusive thoughts, like obviously she's going to die, like the typical postpartum motherhood stuff. Like I couldn't drive in the car without picturing cars ramming into us, like just, you know, like all the intrusive thoughts. And I didn't think anything of it at that time. Like I just thought like, it's this is normal. normal, This is motherhood. Normal mom worries. Like, you know, Mm. um, And then that's like mental. I never did get on anything. And I honestly struggled until Della. So like five years later. No, I (laughs) honestly had postpartum anxiety. It just like became a part of who I was at that point. Yeah. And like I didn't like know. I just thought it was normal. Um, But then going into physically, I remember. So I had an episiotomy with um, Milan. And that's a whole other story. Those honestly should be like mostly outlawed, but that's a whole other yeah. topic. Um, yeah. I had an 
a very unnecessary episiotomy with her. And I truly had no idea what this meant. They didn't tell me like what to look out for or like anything like that. Like, you know, really? everyone, it's like the classic send you on your way, see you at six weeks and you don't know nothing. Wow. So I didn't know what was normal. And even at six weeks, like he didn't ask me like any questions. He just looked and was like, okay, you're good to go have sex. Like that's all that matters. Mm. And I remember at six months postpartum, we went home and visited um, Arizona and I was talking with my sister-in-law who has had two kids at this point and I was venting and I was like, oh my gosh, like my stitches are taking, like my stitches still really hurt for my episiotomy. And she was like six months and she's like, I don't think those are your stitches. And I was like, no, every time I go to the bathroom, I rip my stitches. Like they're still healing. And she was like, no, like those are not your stitches. And I was like, something rips down there every time I go to the bathroom. This is so TMI. So she's like, you need to go to the doctor. So I went thinking like something was going wrong with my stitches for my episiotomy. And turns out I had like major hemorrhoids. Didn't even know hemorrhoids existed for anyone younger than 70. Like no one even, (laughs) I didn't even know that was a possibility. I didn't know what they felt like. Like it truly felt like my stitches were ripping every single time. That's what I said it was. And it was hemorrhoids. And yeah, I needed to heal my hemorrhoids. But again, didn't even know that. So that was just like one thing on top of, you know, figuring out breastfeeding and Milan was a major cluster feeder. So I had all the issues that came with like feeding for the first time. And I feel really lucky for the most part, her breastfeeding experience was, I never stressed about like if she was eating enough or like gaining enough or anything like that. I didn't have those Mm -hmm. issues with her, but it almost was too easy. Like she liked it too much that it like brought on other, other Mm -hmm. problems. So Totally. Those are my two main things with hers. With How were yours with Parley? Um, it's interesting because I I do feel like I have zero room to complain about any of my physical healing with any of, of my kids. I, for whatever reason, that's my one thing that I can <laughs> you got say. That. You know how you come across women and they like either have fabulous pregnancies or they have fabulous labors, but their pregnancies were really hard. Yeah. Or do you know what I mean? I feel like yeah, it's there's always take, something. Like, there's always something I, but I, I will say like physically with each baby, I feel like my physical recovery has always been, I think I'm a fast healer in that regard. Yeah. Um, it's never taken me the full six weeks. I don't bleed very heavily. And that's so nice. Um, my stitches, like with Parley, I had a first degree tear. And so I got two stitches and then with Pax, I tore that same scar tissue and had the same two stitches. And then didn't tear with the last two girls. So I feel like that really does come into Makes play. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. And that's why I don't want to say like, oh, physically I'm great because it's it's very niche to mm-hmm. your experience with how yes. you're tearing. I also know a lot of women can be allergic to their stitches. So like it's mm-hmm. very, very specific to your experience. So anything that we say, like I don't, if we have a good moment, don't think it's unrealistic. Like you just never know how <laughs> yeah. it's going to be, you know? But physically, I feel like I healed really fast with Parley, especially because I was 20. I mean, my yeah. body's just bounced back. Do a little bit better with that. So no complaints there. I feel like my biggest issue has always been the yeah mental, emotional mental. part of it. And it's true. Like back then, it's back then, it was 2014, but it's like we just were so uneducated and like- We didn't. It wasn't talked about ever. It wasn't talked about and- that makes me sad because I, I don't think, think I had known. heard the phrase postpartum anxiety until Della was born. I was going to say with Henley, I didn't that get wasn't even a phrase. Anything. It was postpartum no. depression and I wasn't sad. So that's where I was like, I'm mm-hmm. fine. Like I'm not sad. 
I'm yeah. like worried and overstressed. Yes. But I'm not sad. So I thought I don't have postpartum depression. I'm good. Anxiety was like not even, yeah, considered on the radar. Say. Yeah. So for me, I looking back, I definitely suffered with some sort of postpartum depression. And I say that lightly too, because I know that there are a lot of levels to postpartum depression and anxiety. There's also postpartum OCD if people haven't heard mm-hmm. of that. These things are very, very real. And I just say, like, if you have anything on your radar, anything. just go and get help, like, no matter yeah. what. I thought that a lot of mine was just totally typical mom stuff. But I also feel like sprinkled in it was definitely a few things for me. So one, I worked all the way up until I delivered Parley. And so I think a lot of like my recovery in that regard was just a loss of identity for me and Mm -hmm. just figuring out my new normal and just feeling the guilt of productivity in my life. So like I would remember I would like put Parley down for a nap and I would also fall asleep and then I would like work my guts out over the next few hours to like make up for the fact to that like I make yourself feel like you were being productive. Yeah, that was so unhealthy and ridiculous. So a big part of it was definitely that. And then I would say two other like major factors to like my recovery with her was one. And I think this comes into play a huge, huge amount is like your support postpartum and mm-hmm. as specifically your partner's availability and and how much they help. And one part of it that I really want to like say is like, if you don't feel like your partner is helping, I bet they want to, you just need to train them. They don't know what you need. You just need to teach them. They don't know how you need to be very specific. And sometimes that's hard because sometimes you don't even know what's going to be the most helpful to you. Oh, you have no clue until you figure it out. With with that one, I would say that was hard because Cam was on a, in his last semester of college and it was crunch time. It was very scary. And then obviously me quitting my job, I was I was making all the money for us. He picked up another job mm. to make up for that so I could stay home. So he was working two jobs and he was in school full time. It, it was just a huge balancing act of him surviving and me surviving. And, and he's a very hands-on partner, I will say. But it's a learning curve with your first baby. And so I think a lot of it was that. It was like literally when I got discharged from the hospital, our parents drove me home and took me home. He was he was um, presenting a paper at school like he didn't even get to bring me home from the hospital. So I, I think a lot of it was that, too, was just like. I felt very alone. I did not have a lot of people helping me. And mm-hmm. so I had nobody helping me. I should rephrase that. <laughs> Actually, I did not have help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, all in all, I would say that. I, I remember thinking, same as you, like, oh, this is just me. This it's is just normal. how it is. But I would, I remember like I would do things and I would get out of the house and um, I just was so, I was just scratching at like wanting to get out of the black hole that I was in. Mm -hmm. Like I was just like trying so hard to like not be in that black hole for that day. And I remember like I would get out and I would be gone the whole day and then it would take me like three days to recover. recover. Like I was exhausted from just one day out. So yeah, that was another thing. When I had Milana, I lived in North Carolina and I knew not a soul. Like I didn't have a single person in my village in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael was military at that time. Luckily, we were in the process of him getting med boarded out. So his hours were much shorter. Like he worked actually, they weren't short. He just like went to work at like 2 a.m. 
and then go oh, yeah, home yeah, at yeah. like 2 p.m. So he was home a lot of the days. But I do remember feeling like insane cabin fever. Like I need to get out. I need to go do something. Yes. And I think it almost was like a coping mechanism to like make me feel like alive. Like because I was just yep. like in this black hole of, you know, newbornness that like getting out helped me. But yeah, it would take me this was another thing is I remember like walking around the grocery store. I would like, I don't even remember where I would go. I'd go to like the grocery store just cause I wanted to get out. I remember like my vagina feeling like it was going to like fall out. Fall out. Yeah. yeah. And like thinking that's totally fine. Like no yeah. concern whatsoever. And then, yeah, I'd go home and be so sore for a few days. Um, and then the worst I moved to, we moved to Arizona when I was like five months postpartum. Um, yeah. And then I don't even, that time in my life is like such a blur. Like I honestly like don't remember anything except that I was struggling for sure struggling. Um, But then I got pregnant with Phoebe and Phoebe's pregnancy was really, really good compared to Milan's. Um, Milan's pregnancy was really hard. And then Phoebe's was so easy. That's why I thought Phoebe was a boy. Her pregnancy was so easy. Um, Obviously she was a girl, but then after I moved to back to Virginia. So her pregnancy was kind of crazy. Um, I was in Arizona when we got pregnant and then we moved back to Virginia. So like two cross country moves um, when I was like 18 weeks pregnant with her or something. And I had the remainder of her pregnancy in Virginia, which I was near my parents. Actually, a lot of it, I actually lived with my parents until we bought our house. Mm. Um, and then we bought our house and I was near my parents. Um for that but Michael was gone like more yeah we kind of like traded support for support and after I had Phoebe I think I got more of the depression side of the postpartum depression but again I didn't know at the time I was just so lonely and I definitely tried to keep myself busy by going out of the house like I there wasn't a day that went by that I did not leave the house it was an absolute must I would go, 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 go play dates or play centers, like literally anywhere. We were constantly like in the car doing things. And I remember like when I got home from the hospital, like I was like out playing on the swing set with Milan, like literally the same day that I got home from the hospital. And at the time with both of my other kids, I had both of them unmedicated, which I know like people say it plays a factor into your healing. I don't know. I've only yeah. had reco- or that recovery, so I don't know. But yeah. I remember feeling like so proud that I could do that stuff, which is so dumb. Totally. So no, dumb. It makes but sense. I remember like in the delivery room with Phoebe, like they hadn't even moved me to the postpartum room yet. I was like up and walking and yeah. like I was getting stuff out of my bags and people were like, I can do that for you. And I was like, no, I got it. It's fine. And like being like, yeah like proud that I could do that. And like, Especially I was Especially probably from recovering from Milan's. Like it was probably yes. just like a, wow, look what I can do this time. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm good. I can walk around. Even though I didn't have an epidural or anything with Milan's, I was like, it, it hurt so bad. And I remember waking up the next day, like my whole body hurt because it, her labor mm. was just like rough. But Phoebe's mm-hmm. like, I truly felt great. Like it was very fast. Like I feel like my body didn't work that hard. I don't know. It sounds mm-hmm. like so just completely different. Yeah. So different. But then like the mental side of it was 
definitely there. And breastfeeding her was a lot harder. I definitely had more days in the beginning of just crying, which I never had with Milan, which is funny. You would think it would be more with your first baby, like Mm. figuring crap out. It was just easier with Milan. And with Fides, it was really, really hard and it didn't come natural. And there was lots of days in the beginning that I just spent crying. And like, I think even more frustrated with myself because I was like, I should know what I'm doing. Like, what the heck? Like, why am I having such a hard time with my second baby? But it's not you. It's not me. It was the baby. And that was my first lesson in two kids is they're not the same. And like, yeah, you may think that you got it in the bag because you did it with one. How do you know? It's all different. It's all Mm -hmm. different. She could not have been more different than my experience with Milan. And just everything felt like I was learning everything all over again. And then guess what? Third comes, same thing. Fourth comes, (laughs) same thing. You're just learning crap every single time. None of them are the same. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so frustrating. But um, we, we figured out breastfeeding for her and like, I ended up, I didn't have as much anxiety with her. I, it was more mm-hmm. like depression. It was more like I was sad and lonely and my like coping mechanism was to get out of the house and like mm-hmm. hindsight, I actually think that made it worse over the long run, but like in the moment mm-hmm. it made me feel better. <laughs> totally. I like that you brought up the breastfeeding though. I think that has a huge role oh my in gosh. postpartum. And that was the other point that I totally spaced on making with Parley's was, her breastfeeding experience was horrible. And yeah. I feel like um, we stopped officially any breastfeeding at like two months. And that played a huge role in my mental oh, yeah. health. Like I just was so sad and so disappointed in myself. And I just felt less than I would hide bottles. I would hide mm-hmm. formula. Like I just felt so sad. And as I'll explain with my future babies, such a healing like and like yeah. grace for myself when it came to that and for how much you beat yourself up episode on Parley's. feeding our babies. I would love to do yeah. a whole episode on that because there obviously is yeah. so much to say on so all of it. So much to say. Yeah. Um but it plays a huge role in your postpartum experience. Huge. Like I mean not even with the hormones of breastfeeding and like what that brings into it, but just like how you feel about yourself, like how you feel about your baby, like it, it changes so much. Yeah. And yeah. even like Honestly, like looking back, it made me like kind of not like Milan. That sounds so bad, but like as no. like in the freshly postpartum, she was very postpartum, needy, she was very needy, so. very nursed all the time. That I hated breastfeeding. I did not enjoy it at all. Like I didn't get what people talked about, like liking it. Like I would, I would give this up in a heartbeat if I could. Like, but yeah. she wouldn't take a bottle, wouldn't take a bean. But I think when you compare it to your other babies that nursed, it's like, oh, I loved them. You saw the chill nursing, and then yes. you saw the difference in it. So yes. it made you. Realize, and then I'm like, oh, oh yeah. this is why people like nursing. Like, this is actually yes. good. But yes. I think it's so easy. Like, say if I only ever had an easy nurser, and then to hear somebody say they don't like breastfeeding or if it was hard for them, like I wouldn't have like that area of compassion for them. Cause I'd be like, Oh, it was only easy for me. Um, exactly. And so I am glad that I got very, very various experiences because I feel like Same. at this point, like I am very open to whatever the heck you want to do, like is good for exactly. you. Exactly. Like it just gives you more compassion as a mom and like just more understanding. And, and that's such a beautiful thing that, yeah, we all experience such different things with every single baby that we have. And it's like, there's just no room for judgment. There's no, because you just no. gotta do what you gotta do. You do what and you gotta do. And that's right. And sometimes you don't get that choice. You don't, you don't get to predict how your labor goes yeah. or how your postpartum healing goes or how your breastfeeding experience goes. Like no. all of it is not it's out of your control, you. <laughs> so. out of your control. A hundred percent. So yeah. 
Totally. Yeah. So I would say with packs again, like I, I don't have many complaints. Physically, I healed fine. And Paxton was Paxton was a very healing experience all around for me. I feel like he was probably my one that I postpartum was pretty okay with, even emotionally. Um, he was a great nurser, which that healed my heart in a lot of ways. It, it was it was crazy because where people would say, oh, it's just so natural and it's just so yeah. this. It's not for everybody. For him, I feel like I really finally understood that because mm-hmm. I don't feel like I had to work hard to make the breastfeeding experience with yes. him good. That's just how he came. Yes. And I felt so grateful to experience that. And so with him, we nursed up till he turned one and, and it was so healing for me. And um, But I still didn't learn my lesson yet. I learned it with Henley about the guilt and the shame that I put Mm -hmm. on myself about giving formula to Parley. But um, postpartum with Paxton was also unique because Cam was not in school. He was just working his job and um, it was super close to the house. We had moved. We sold our house and we were awaiting his job. And so we moved in with his dad and the timing was so odd. His dad ended up getting in a pretty bad fire accident. And so um, he was in the Arizona burn unit during the time that I gave birth to Paxton. And so we really kind of had the place to ourselves because after that, he was then also transferred to a physical therapy place. So that whole like situation was different and unique in, in and of itself. But then um, when Paxton was seven weeks old, we ended up moving across the country to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that also really helped in my postpartum with Paxton because I was just so excited to have my own space yeah. again. And like, it just felt like really rejuvenating like and like life. refreshing, which is wild because at that point in time, Cam had gotten in a really bad car accident. His car was totaled and we um, weren't going to buy a car before we moved because we were like, then you have to take them both. Cars. Yeah. And so we moved with just the one car and even the first little bit that we lived in Cleveland, we just used the one car. And I thought with how badly I needed to go, go, go with Parley to be able to be okay and like not be in that black hole with Paxton, I became a homebody and like Mm -hmm. genuinely didn't feel like I was in that black hole with him. I loved being home. Um, So very, very different experiences overall. Yeah. I think that that's when we were the most opposite is I remember you would stay home all day, every day. And I was constantly in my car. And mm-hmm. I just remember thinking, how do you stay home? Or and I'm sure you were thinking, how do you go out? And mm-hmm. I remember like I got messages all the time of people asking me, like, how do you go out all the time with the like I had two under two? Like it was chaos, truly. Which is funny now because at the time, I'm sure everyone says this that has multiple babies, but like at the time Milan was so big to me. And now yep. I'm like she was a baby. Like yep. she was a baby. But I have to say that's such a good point to make because I also feel like your postpartum experience is so dependent on your other kids. Absolutely. Don't you feel like yes. How far apart you had your kids. My kids got a little bit farther apart as I each one I had. And then also like recovering with my fourth was like completely different than recovering with my third yes. because my two older kids were a little bit older. Like, yes, you can't take someone else's experience and think like that's going to be mine or that's the exact same because your other even kids, with you and I, yes. because your kids were um, 
18 months apart and I think mine are like 20 or 21 a few months at that little at age, that age makes a big huge difference huge difference yeah. yes so I just think and you have to give yourself grace for where yes. you're at and like what your family dynamic is your I remember thinking job, that like, like a husband's job makes a huge difference and I I mm-hmm. remember thinking this like when I was planning on having a fourth baby because I waited a lot longer to have my fourth baby then and it's funny because I follow a lot of people on social media that like we've had all of our kids together at the same yeah. time. And then like a lot of them were having their fourth already. And I would kind of be like, well, like, why do they feel ready? And I'm not ready. And a hundred percent goes back to like, what are your other kids situations? Like, do they have all kind of easy kids? What's their husband job? Is their husband like more available? Do they live by family? Does their grandma babysit every single weekend? Like it makes <laughs> yeah. a difference. So and I was like, I don't things. have any of that. So like, mm-hmm. it makes sense why I'm not ready. Like my plate has other things on it. And like, or that's okay. really how your labor went or yes. Um, I think a lot of it too, like for me, when we get into our thirds was like with Henley, like I just could not lose any of the baby weight like mm. that that played a huge role sometimes you're able to lose a baby weight and then sometimes it, it takes just a long 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 time yeah. and it just affects so much so, it does um so let's get into our thirds because I feel like that's where yeah for both of us some funky stuff like different stuff yes. happened right I think by our third we were like enough's enough kind of I don't know <laughs> at least for me um I had my third um and I feel like I was in like a pretty good like mental state before I had her. And then, yeah, yeah I had her and like was not good. And I was yeah. in like an all around crappy place just in general. And it had so many factors going on. Loomwell was still very new at this time. So it was very, very high maintenance and very stressful. Um, it was needing all of me. I had two toddlers that were still really little Milan was three and Phoebe was not even two when I had Della so yeah. again babies and babies Michael was working a lot like just with Lumel. obviously it was high maintenance and then my health was really bad at this time I think having my kids back to back to back I neglected myself for so long that mm-hmm. my body was like girl you got to do something like <laughs> we're shutting down like you cannot mm-hmm. just keep giving to everybody else you will not last. And so my health was really bad at this point. Like I got put on a medicine that basically knocked me out until noon. Like I was like a zombie until noon. And so oh, like I, I had no motivation to do anything, but then like, yeah. obviously I have three little kids, like I have to do stuff. And so then I was yeah. like getting angry with them because I'm in so much pain. My whole body's in so much pain. I'm having insane migraines. And then I have these three little kids. And so how I deal with the pain is I get angry. Like I was Mm. like lashing out on everybody and everything. And I remember there was one moment that was like a wake up call to me. And this is so vulnerable that I hope it reaches my right people because it very easily could be twisted. I remember there Mm -hmm. was a moment that I was sitting on the couch in my living room and all of my kids were asleep and my house was quiet. And I was just sitting there and I was thinking, and I was talking to Michael, just kind of like, like talking about like, why am I, why is life like this? Like what, what's going on? Like, I'm so hopeless. And I was, and looking back in the throes of depression and anxiety. And I just remember thinking, like, I told him, I said, I could give up my kids for adoption and not care. Like that was where I was at. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. If this is how my life is going to be for every day for the rest of my life. Yeah. I cannot, I cannot. 
And that was like my wake up call is actually like verbalizing that to him. Cause it's one thing to like sit there and think these things, yeah. but like sitting here looking at my spouse, telling him, I don't want to do this anymore was like, yeah, a wake up call. And I got on meds like that week. And luckily Good. I loved my OB with Della And I think a lot of my postpartum with her being so bad also had to play in with her birth because her birth was great if you listen to my birth story, but it was supposed to be a home birth and very last minute it changed to a hospital birth. And I had a really hard time with that. And I didn't think that I would because I honestly like leading up pregnancy, like I always said, like if it happens, it happens like great. But then like once it actually didn't happen, like I was having a really hard time. It was almost like I was disconnected from Della because like, I felt like I hadn't actually given birth to her yet, even though I did. And I was there. It was like my body like disassociated that like, I would look at her and be like, how are you here? Like I haven't given birth to the baby in my belly yet. Like I haven't gone through it. So it was just very trippy. And like, just luckily I'm so glad she was the easiest, sweetest baby ever. Like, and Mm -hmm. truly, if she was a hard baby, I think it really would have put me over the edge. But Mm -hmm. another thing that was really hard with her is we really did struggle with breastfeeding. So it's funny, Mm -hmm. like literally every single one of my kids is so different. I didn't struggle with breastfeeding. She was a great baby. She was happy, but she would not gain weight. Like she just kept losing weight. And so then that obviously turned it back on me. And honestly, hindsight, looking back, I'm like, who knows if I was eating enough? Probably not. But like, I was so in the throes of like depression and anxiety that it just like, I was not doing okay. So my body couldn't give any to her at all. Totally. Um, yeah. So yeah, luckily I loved my OB that I had with her and put me on meds right away and like really checked up on me on them. He didn't just like put me on meds and call it good. Like I had appointments like every Mm -hmm. few weeks with him, which I really appreciated. And I feel lucky that my meds were a hit from the first. I know a lot of people don't have that experience and like what he put me on really worked. And I just remember like literally coming out of this fog and being like, Oh my gosh, my life is so good. And like, yeah, like it's been actually enjoy what you have. It's been like that. Yeah. But just, I just couldn't see it. And I was just like, I had like, come to terms with like my physical health. I had, I have to do a whole episode on this because I feel like it's this whole other life that I live with my Mm -hmm. physical health and my Chiari. But I had like been trying to get answers and trying to get answers and trying to get answers. And I was getting nowhere from doctors that it finally got to a point, probably around the same time I got on my anxiety meds that I just said like, I need to basically give up hope for finding answers. Like I just need to figure out how to live with this. And like, it just accept that this is my body and like, this is it. And then instead of like searching for something that I wasn't going to find, I was trying to like search for an answer that would make all my pain go away. And like, once I accepted, like, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Got better too. So it's like mentally, it was just all in me needing to make a decision and saying like, enough's enough. I I can't keep living like this. I can't keep giving everything to everybody else. My body's shutting down. Like my mind is shutting down. Everything in me is saying like, girl, you gotta, you gotta change something. Mm-hmm. So it, it was rough, <laughs> but yeah, then good. No, I'm, yeah. I was going to say like, it's crazy how just one decision can change so, so much. much. 
And you're so not alone in having those thoughts and feelings as moms. Um, just feeling like I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I want to If this up. is it like, every it's day. It's so real. No. I don't it's want so this. so hard. That's where I look at the moms that do space out their kids and I'm like, hmm. They got it right. They got <laughs> it right. something to that, you guys. They got it right. I agree with you. Like the third one, yeah, I it was just baby, baby, baby. And I remember thinking like, nobody can wipe their own butt. No, like, I'm literally I, doing everything for everybody. Yeah. It's such a physical toll every day that you just, you're in pure survival. Yeah. And I remember feeling that exact thing. And we were still in Ohio. I had Henley at 35 weeks. And so I remember thinking like, oh, like I just, I just thought maybe it would trick my body into like just being normal again. Like I didn't go the full 40. Yeah. So like, I'm going to be fine. Physically, again, I was fine in the sense of like recovering, you know, but I, my thyroid was really bad at that time. It's interesting that like yeah. these flare ups that we were having happened at this time. They're like not necessarily pregnancy neglect. related flare ups, but no. like probably totally thanks to having three pregnancies back oh, to back. Lifestyle and stress. And yeah. I was eating nothing, nothing but the crusts of my kids' sandwiches yeah. and leftover mac and cheese. Like I was not fueling my body right. Not sleeping I was right. Surviving like purely brushing my caffeine. teeth. Like mm-hmm. literally zero self care. Oh, I remember like I would wake up. I was so sluggish. This part of my life is a big blur, but I would wake up and I would make my kids breakfast and then I would go lay down on the couch. Mm -hmm. And like the routine was I put a movie on, they would eat breakfast and like all all the toys were in the living room. We had a playroom. Half the toys were downstairs. And it's because that's how we survived the morning is like I had to just lay there. And I felt horrible. And um the weight was a lot slower with Henley to come mm-hmm. off. So I feel like that was a huge part of it too, was I just felt so sluggish and the fatigue was definitely taking over for me. Um, with Henley, that's where I first started noticing something was different with that one because my um, postpartum experience, I wasn't sad. I didn't feel lonely. I felt a lot of anger. And so I remember like I would be sitting there and I would have my legs propped up on like a little bench or a stool and like just suddenly the urge would just take over my body and like my legs would be sitting there and I would just kick the stool and it would fly across the room or anything that was close to me. The TV remote, my kids will never let me live this down. They had like one of those little Dyson (laughs) toy vacuums and I threw it against the wall. The Dyson broke. There was a huge hole in the wall. Like, they still remember this. Well, so funny that you, you say that because similar thing. Like, I would just like, yeah, just like out of nowhere, just have these like angry outbursts. And now I see it talked about all the time on social media, which I'm like, yes, you guys, lucky bitches. I had no idea. I know. Like, I just I'm thought like, I was I didn't horrible. I know what that was. I just I thought, thought I was I horrible. Was- like yeah. a and hor- I was, which like, honestly scared. made it worse. Like I was just uh-huh. like beating myself up constantly. The shame. Like, why uh-huh. are you like this? What's going on? But I remember I broke um one of my kids' TVs in our camping trailers because I had one of those mm-hmm. and I just like slapped it and it broke. And guess what? They still talk about it. I'm like, can we just like forget no, that like, part stop of our life bringing existed? it up? Please. Sore <laughs> subject. Thank you. <laughs> Literally. I know. I also remember a lot of shame for me came from just like <laughs> Sorry if you can hear Fallon laughing. <laughs> um, I just was so disappointed in myself because I felt like the mom that I thought I was mm-hmm. going to be, I wasn't I was being. not. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that was really hard for me. I thought that I was going to be so patient and I thought the love would just overtake any other emotion Mm -hmm. that could come. Yeah. And even though the love is so big and so strong, like especially that anger that I felt like I felt so out of control, out of control. I felt like the only way to get the anger to go away was to throw something. Yeah. And I remember like after I would do something, like after I'd have an outburst, I would just sit there and be like, what just happened? Like, who am I? Like, this is not who I am. I, yeah, I felt the same way of like, I was the person that begged people to watch their babies growing up. Like I wanted to babysit. I played house till I was freaking like 12, actually way older than that. But like, this is just (laughs) all that I ever wanted to be. And like, this is not what I thought it would be. Like, why do I suck at this? Like, why is this so hard for me? And it's so sad to come to that realization though. Cause it's like, I feel like I could be the mom I wanted to be if the kids weren't <laughs> like the kids this, weren't kidding. It, literally, <laughs> it's so crazy to go through. It all was of just that. a and very I, like humbling, yes, experience truly. And you think like we would have known this before our third kids, but I think that's where we had our kids so close together. Toddlerhood mm-hmm. and kidhood is totally different than babies. So like I had one baby, even two babies and I'm like, I'm good. But like, by the Mm -hmm. time I had my third, I was just barely scratching the surface on what really motherhood was even about. Truly. And having two toddlers and a newborn is a freaking trip. It's a shit show. Truly. Don't recommend. (laughs) It's so hard. Space your babies out. Listen to us. Listen to us. Space them out. But also like if you want your babies close and if that's your ML or if you, if you do have your babies close and like you're in the throes of like this whole season that we're touching on and you feel like you're not the mom that you thought you would be, guess what? You will be. You will be. You'll get there. I really feel like right now I feel so happy in my motherhood journey right now. We're at a really good sweet spot with the ages. And I know that that's going to change in the next couple of years. And I feel like right now I am finally the mom that I I wanted to be be. for so long. Yes. So it's going to come and you have time. And even if you're not the mom you – like everybody also has their stages that they thrive in. Yes. Some people thrive with the toddlers, but the newborn's not their thing. Yeah. Some people thrive yeah. with the teenagers and the little kids aren't their thing. Some people, it's the little kid stage that they're great at. And then they hit the teenager stage and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't with this. Yeah. Like, and I just it's think okay. like, don't expect yourself to be amazing at all of it because it's so hard and yeah. you're fine just the way you are. Yeah. And you are the perfect mom for your kids, even if you feel awful at the end of the day for how it went like it doesn't matter like who they need even though like you're her they need something I did not believe for a really long time about myself like oh yeah I I was like you're better off with someone else I'm horrible I don't know what to do like I suck like all your problems and issues are because of me like because I Mm -hmm. suck and yeah it's, (laughs) it's very humbling it's such a trip, but I, I will touch on with Henley. Like I did get on some meds. Um, we tried a few different kinds of meds for me. It was, so they gave me the diagnosis postpartum anxiety mm-hmm. that just presented itself in a lot of like anger and rage. And so I got on some, um, meds, but honestly I got off them pretty dang quick. I yeah. really struggled with them. I had a lot of like heart racing, like heart palpitation mm-hmm. stuff with that. And I feel like we gave it as long as we could before I was like, I'm too scared of this. Yeah. And so I did get off of them. I feel like for that, it really was time. Yeah. Um, I called Henley my barnacle baby because she just was glued to me at all times. She was very 
attached, very needy. I also, another point of this too is I don't have babies that sleep well. And I think that that plays Mm -hmm. a huge role in my emotional state postpartum. Yeah, for sure. Especially around, I would say my biggest months were like four to like 10 months, maybe four to nine or 10 months. That's my window where I know I need people to look out for me. I need people to check in on me. I need help. Um, that's always my window before four months. I feel like I'm still in that. I'm still in bliss. the bliss. Totally. Yes. Then and they I have that four months like regression. You saying like time helps. I also feel like just yeah. being aware of it helped me a lot. Yeah. Like just something about giving it a label and like being aware that like, this is what's going on there. It's not just because I'm a shitty person. Like exactly. It really almost helped. like it's not something to blame it, it on, but it feels kind of good and freeing to yes. Validate yes. yourself and go like, I know that this is what I'm experiencing. Yes. I also know that around nine, 10 months, I'm feeling a lot better. They're sleeping yes. a lot better. Yes. Their naps are like my kids were cat nappers and they also never slept through the night mm. for a long, long, long time. So I feel like that plays a huge role. Oh, when totally. You're not getting the sleep that you need. Um, totally. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, nursing Henley. That one was also a really interesting experience because she nursed really, really well. But we had a lot of the same issues yeah. that you did with Della, where she was rapidly losing a lot of weight. And now looking back on photos, it makes me really sad that I didn't see it before mm-hmm. we saw it at the charts at the pediatrician. Because um, I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, like it. It was, it was very apparent physically. But again, you're just yeah. in your cloud. You get in those like goggles. And she nursed great. Like she yes. really did. That's how Della was. What I, she was happy. She nursed. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I look back at pictures. I'm like, oh, like I should have yeah. been. An but it's crazy because I remember when I first gave her a bottle. I feel like I saw a sparkle in her eyes. Mm. She started sleeping good. She was happy instead of always needing to be attached, yeah. attached, attached to me. Like it completely changed her little personality. And she was nine months old when we finally made the switch and and started doing. We did exclusively formula. I didn't even try the breastfeeding anymore. It was like, and again, where I referenced Parley of like such a healing journey with the breastfeeding is that's when it happened for me. It was healing with Paxton because he was such a good nurser, but it was even more healing with Henley because I learned with her that it's okay. It's almost and like you saw formula like as a bad thing before and then like seeing it now you're like, look what it's done for her. Like it's thing. actually such a blessing. It changed my baby. Like it yeah. really did. It felt like I had a completely different child in my home and she was so happy. And I, yeah, I saw the benefit of it. I saw the blessings of it. I'll look back on videos that I have and and I'll, I remember the feeling I felt where I'm like, I'm bonding with her yeah. With a bottle just as much as I did when she was breastfeeding. Yeah. With Parley, the way I looked for that bond was um, I would take baths with her. Mm-hmm. So anybody that can't breastfeed or isn't breastfeeding or whatever your journey is, you can bond with your baby. Don't let people make you feel like because you're not breastfeeding means you're not bonding yeah. because you absolutely yeah. can in a million ways. But yeah, the 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 formula, like it was a total healing experience with yeah. Henley when it came to Parley's situation because I was like, this is good. This is and good. I learned where the formula for Henley was better than my breast milk was. Yeah. And I was okay with that. Yeah. So and similar thing I wanted to touch on Della's breastfeeding. I know I did a little bit with her losing weight, but she was my first baby I did formula with. Um, so Milan, I would have begged for her to take formula or a bottle or anything. You tried, I, right? Like I tried, you tried so hard. I tried everything. And like yeah. I said, I would have done it in a heartbeat. Um, and then 
Phoebe, because she was so hard to breastfeed in the beginning, um, Mm -hmm. after that, like when we finally were successful breastfeeding, I never wanted to. And really I had no issues with her after that. She was a very like every three hour eater. She wasn't a huge cluster feeder. Like there was no like cons to breastfeeding. It's more of a chill breastfeeding experience. That's how um, Pax was too. I was I so sad that. to stop her. I only stopped because I was pregnant and it hurt really bad, but otherwise I would have kept doing it. It was like the sweetest thing ever. I loved it. Um, and so yeah. then when Della's, she was very easy. Like she wasn't a hard baby. She wasn't attached to me. She was very chill. She just wasn't gaining weight. That's what it was coming down mm-hmm. to. Um, and I remember I did formula with her and by that point, luckily, I did not experience any guilt over giving her formula because I truly did feel like I felt like I tried everything before everything. that, that like yeah. when I did give her formula, there was no like, am I sure? Like, is this going to like, should I do something else? There was no guilt. It was like, this is what she needs. This is what she um, needed. Yeah. And so I didn't feel any any guilt, but it opened my eyes to <laughs> how amazing formula is like it was so freeing and like when I had her and we were doing part formula she was like six months old when we did partially um formula and partially nursed and I remember thinking like this is insane the difference that it makes like before this Michael has never been able to feed my kids never yes. been able to help never been able Isn't to that so freeing when someone else can feed them yes, yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Best. And I remember sitting, like watching Michael feed her a bottle in her rocking chair in her room and then put her down for bed. And I was like, I've never wow. been able to do this before ever with yeah. any of my kids that I was like, this is a game changer. Like I need to like be, this is okay. So then I like really grew to like it. And I remember thinking then like any of my other kids in the future, I'm going to supplement because this is amazing. And it's just I nice did. to have it as an option. Yes. Yeah. It just takes yeah. like so much pressure off. And like, if you need more than an hour away from home, like a take an hour night, away from home, get your hair done. Yeah. Yes. There's such, yeah. You can definitely ba- balance both if you want to balance both. Yes. Um, and there was or, no yeah, difference like, in bonding whatsoever. No. And I, I remember you saying this to me, like, um, I don't remember when <laughs> years ago, but it was like, there's like a give and take with breastfeeding and bottle feeding. Again, this could be a whole other topic and we'll hurry it up and get yeah. into our fourth <laughs> experiences. But, um, breastfeeding is easier. It's easier to whip out your Mm -hmm. boob and just feed your baby than it is to prepare a bottle. But Mm -hmm. like, again, you just, yeah, you have where it's just on you and it's only you or it's other people can help out and stuff like that. There's so much give and take, but I think it's that way with a lot of things in motherhood. Oh, totally. So pros and cons. You just got to figure out what works for you. Totally. Totally. Okay. Theron's turn. (laughs) This is what I feel like I have the most to say on and I know time. So I'll try to on delay. Um, Okay. After I had Della, literally on my way home from the hospital, we stopped by and like met up with people and went out to lunch. Like that's just like, I did not slow down in the slightest. Like yeah, moved around, like no sort of rest was in my life at that point with all of my kids. I never like stayed in pajamas. Like I never bought loungewear. Like I actually thought those were like a waste for postpartum essentials because like my life just carried on as normal. So with Theron, I obviously I was prepping for his home birth. And by this point, I had taken my midwife assistant class and like learned all of that. And so I just feel like I had so much more knowledge going into his pregnancy and something that was very, very, very consistent in all of my learnings is 
like the importance of resting postpartum. And I read a book um, when I was pregnant. It was like in my birth prep and it's called The First 40 Days. And it basically goes over in a very Cliff Notes version how other cultures deal with postpartum and how in most other cultures, like the first 40 days of postpartum is like sacred, sacred, sacred days for the mother. And they're Mm. just being like absolutely doted on every waking need is being taken care of and like how that then affects their long-term postpartum experiences. Um, if you treat the first 40 days, right. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to do that. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it a full 40 days, but like, I'm going to get as close as possible as I can to that. And I think that's where we get so hung up on like, if we can't do anything like full fledged, just don't even try. At least that's how I am. And mm-hmm. like, if I, if I could only do a little bit of it, that was great. I'm just going to try. Um, and then it actually worked out because I hemorrhaged pretty good during Theron's birth. And so I lost a lot of blood and I tore really bad with him. I had a lot of stitches with him. And so with me losing a lot of blood, my midwife was very strict. She said, you know, I make all my clients follow the 555 rule, but with you, like I really want you to follow it. Like I really need you to follow it. And it's five days laying down in bed, five days sitting up in bed, five days near your bed. So 15 days total of basically not leaving your room. And love that. I did that. I did that so strict. We didn't leave the house for two weeks. And my first outing, I just took there into the chiropractor and that was it. I was only out for like an hour. Um, if that, but it was incredible. And like, I look back on that time with nothing, but just like, it was pure magic time stopped for us. And I had Theron in the summer, which was also amazing because I had older kids in school at this time. We had no schedule, nowhere to be. It was truly like time stopped for our family and it was just in full-blown baby soak-up mode. And it was beautiful, like just absolutely magical. I can't even like describe anything else. Because you had had these three babies and it was so back to back. This one was a little spread out Mm -hmm. and you were just so go, go, go. And so in the thick of it, it's like, what a night and day difference. Totally night and day. For yourself, especially having him in the summer. Like, yes. Would it have been like this? Oh, I feel like most people in the summer, it's like, that's when all the fun stuff's happening. It's easy to go to the parks with your kids. It's easy to still get out and do things. But like, really like, did not leave my room for two weeks. And then even after that, I was still very, very, very slow to things. So again, I didn't do the full 40 days of like Mm -hmm. rest, but I also feel like this was the first time I had a community with my babies. Like I knew people, which all my other babies, when I had them, I never like any knew anybody in my community. So this was the first time I had meals brought to me. That was amazing. And like incredible. My mom was there for, she actually wasn't there for that long because she was there for before. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I went late. So most of her time was there like before I had the baby, which was fine. And so she was there for like a week after, um, which was perfect because Michael actually had COVID during that time. And we actually both did. I Mm -hmm. didn't really feel like I had COVID, but he was really affected. So he was kind of like MIA during that time. So it was nice to have my mom there, but Mm -hmm. I got a lot of questions like, how can I do this with other kids? Like how, like, and at the time Milan was 
Let's see. Six. Phoebe was five and Della was three. Yeah. Yeah. That's how old they were. So like, I mean, I had older kids for sure, but like a three-year-old still very much a toddler to me. Um, and she mm-hmm. was still very much in toddler activities, not as crazy as an 18 month old obviously is, but, um, we set up stations. Like I did so much prep pregnant. I did set up so much crafts stations, like things for my kids to do without me really. And I was really good about setting up play dates and having people come and get them. That was, and people are more than happy to do that. That was like, I would love to do that for other people that are having yeah. babies. Um, let me come take and get your kids. kids and take them somewhere. Yeah. Um, so just all in all, it was just such a different experience. And I will say he's my only baby. I had absolutely zero postpartum issues with like mentally. I had not an ounce of postpartum anxiety, not an ounce of postpartum depression. And I feel like I healed extremely well for having a hemorrhage and major stitching. I had like a third degree tear. So I had a lot of stitching and like, I mm-hmm. felt fine. That feeling of me saying like, I would go to the grocery store and my vagina felt like I was going to fall out. Never had that. Never not had that him. feeling. Like, and I will say he was my by far worst sleeper. Like, I don't think he slept more than 20 minute increments for the first six yeah, months of his life. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> like, yeah, he that was, was such a trip. Because your girls slept so They were good. all good. Like, I can't take credit yeah. for any of them, but they were sleeping 12 hours straight by like a few weeks old. So, oh my God. It was like, <laughs> but what's funny is I had mental issues with all of them. And then with Even him, getting good sleep. Yeah, I was getting no sleep. Like literally, twenty minutes was the longest I got for him. It was so sad, um, and I was just yeah. on a high. Like I was just riding that birth high. It was. I look back at that time with nothing but pure bliss. Like, but see what a difference. Like, oh my gosh, look at yeah. the difference of your birthing experience and how it plays a direct yes. role in your postpartum experience. It truly it does. It matters yeah. so much, and I truly believe like the first little bit sets us up for long-term, like totally so long-term. So I'm a believer in the first 40 days. Yeah. The fourth trimester, they call it that for a reason for sure. Well, getting into Fallon's, I will say that something that's been interesting in my like recovery throughout having my kids is I feel like my hardest physical recovery was never after giving birth to my babies. It was after my miscarriage that I had. I ended up having a DNC. Oh my gosh. It took me forever to recover from that. And I feel like that played a big role in my mental health because I felt pregnant after my DNC for quite a while still. Mm. I was still so nauseous. I was still so exhausted. Like I still had, I think the hormones and stuff. And so, but I remember physically like Um, I don't remember how long after the DNC it was, but I took my kids to the like mall play center. We went and got lunch and then we like played at the play place. And I remember coming home and I had to put the heating pad on. I was in Mm. so much pain. I never used the heating pad recovering from birth. Um, But I ended up having a DNC with my miscarriage because my body would not. I should have given a trigger warning because I know that it's a very sensitive thing, but my body would not let go of the baby. Mm. And I had a lot of anxiety because Cameron was um, really busy with work during that time. And I just kept thinking like, odds are he's not going to be be alone. I don't want to be alone. Yeah. Um, I think that's a whole other topic we could get into as well. But 
that being my experience between Henley and Fallon, I think played a really huge role in my experience with Fallon. And I've touched on it in our birth episode with Fallon, but having Henley at 35 weeks and then having a miscarriage. And then I got pregnant with Fallon. I want to say like it was two cycles after I lost the baby. And, um, that helped me a lot, like mentally. Like, I think if I didn't get pregnant that fast and I, um, especially being pregnant during the due date of that baby, mm-hmm. like that probably would have played a really it, like lessened the blow a little bit. Totally. But I also remember I just couldn't chill out during that pregnancy. Like I was so scared of mm-hmm. losing her. And then as soon as I was in the clear and like in a more safe part of the pregnancy, it was, it turned into a very high risk pregnancy and I was contracting very early on. I got on progesterone. Um, my cervix was shortening and funneling and whatever all these terms are <laughs> like so many freaking issues. And then we moved across the country. So I just feel like that whole time mentally, like I was not was stressed okay. out, so stressed out. And, and it was also in the middle of COVID. So I just felt like I had nobody, like even when we moved, like I just felt so alone in the process. And then we moved to New Mexico. And, um, I remember thinking like, oh man, when I have delivered this baby, like I finally live closer to people. Like I'm just going to throw myself into being busy because I've been so down and so low this whole pregnancy. I'm going to prevent that postpartum. I am not going to feel that way postpartum. I'm going to be proactive about it all. Totally. So with her, again, the physical recovery was fine. And another huge blessing to her postpartum experience was Cameron had so much leave. They had just passed something. He works for the government. And so they had just passed the paternal leave. Do you remember this? Yeah. I don't even remember exactly how much leave he had. It was a lot. On a leave. Yeah. He was home. And then he he got to save it, right? Like, I think he did like three months at home Mm -hmm. and then like used the other three months later. We like banked it for later because we had family trips like kind of throughout the year. And oh my gosh, that played a huge role. I didn't cook for literally probably two to three months. Like it was heaven. And it was nice too because um, I think it's important when you mentioned your kids' ages. My kids at that point were six, four, and two, Um, which is crazy because I thought they were so old. They felt so Mm -hmm. old. Like that experience felt completely different because they felt so old to me. Um, but I did, I I did feel like that was the better situation I had had so far as far as babies and like how far apart in age they were, because I just felt like I was in the clear and like I had these kids that were more independent. I will say looking back, like I definitely threw myself into a lot and I was very go, go, go. I traveled a lot as soon as we were in the clear. Like, I think we took Fallon and blessed her in Arizona when she was like, she was not little. even a month old yet. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she was a month old yet. Oh my gosh. That was crazy. But I just felt like this freedom with COVID being lifted and like a little bit yeah. better. And then also living on a, the side of the country where like all of my people were. So felt like I could go. Yeah. And you're like, back, you need I to take I advantage of it. Yeah. 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 I totally did. Oh, I went everywhere, dude. Like I literally went everywhere. I do remember having some really low moments where I was very scared for my mental health, very, very dark places. I would go, but it was random. It wasn't Mm -hmm. consistent. It wasn't every day. It was just random. And again, I would just like block it out and like do something. Yeah. Which probably wasn't healthy. (laughs) And then um, another part of hers too was the breastfeeding experience was very interesting. So at the pediatrician, I remember like I was, it was a very frustrating part 
of everything because I had already felt so unheard and so not cared for in her delivery. And Mm -hmm. like people were treating me like I was a first time mom that didn't know anything. And I kind of was feeling the same vibes when she was a newborn and they were like being really crazy about her weight at the pediatrician. And it was such a weird thing because we loved our pediatrician. He's still our pediatrician to this day and we love him. But I just remember like where they were concerned about things, I wasn't concerned Mm -hmm. about things. Then obviously once like things were tracking and we were tracking her progress on her chart and it was going down instead of a steady incline, obviously like the proof is in the pudding, but it took me a minute to really get it. And so her weight was really bad. And they basically said if she dropped even 1% more, they would classify her as failure Failure to thrive. thrive. When you tell a mom that, especially freshly postpartum, I mean, it does throw you and you're very scared. And so I remember thinking like, I'm not ready to give up. I know this is my last baby, but there's a lot of factors playing here as to why breastfeeding is not the answer. Yeah, we stopped. And it wasn't even a matter of balancing both. We just stopped and I started formula feeding her. And of course the formula helped and she gained weight and she was all good and stuff like that. But there's still like a part of me that wishes that I would Mm -hmm. have still breastfed and just supplemented because yeah, it's your last baby and you want... You want your experience when it's your final time to be this perfect, magical, everything you could ever want. And I already felt like so much was taken from me with her delivery Mm -hmm. that I felt like, okay, that was my one. That was my one thing that didn't go my way. Yeah. (laughs) Everything else is going to go good now. And that's just not life. That's just not how it goes. And, And it is what it is. But all in all... I'm very happy and proud of each situation. I feel like we just we just always did the best we could Absolutely. no matter what we had going it's on. It's so easy to say like, oh, looking back, I wish I did this or looking back, I wish I knew this. But like in the moments, we truly did absolutely everything the best we possibly could. And we were giving yeah. it all for our kids. So oh, hindsight's always 2020. It is. And I think really at the end of the day, that's all that matters. If you gave mm-hmm everything you could to your family and your kids and yourself and no matter what it looks like for you like if you knew in that moment that that was all you had to give that's all that matters even if like you're like now I could give more but like in that moment Mm -hmm. that's all you had and you gave it all and that's the thing is of course now we could give more I mean I think it's a whole other topic of like our capacity grows and grows and grows each baby we have each experience we put under our belt like yeah that's just life in general mm-hmm. but especially motherhood like yeah. experiences are here to make us grow our capacity now is not our capacity with one kid. when no yeah I remember like in labor with Pax, and I was like I can't do this like I am not gonna have a life like two kids is gonna drain me of any social life or any capacity to do anything with my life and it's like I have four kids and I feel like my capacity is greater than ever greater it's I have like more room yeah. Yes. So it's, it's just so all interesting. You just grow so crazy. Thank you guys so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, we would love you forever if you would subscribe and leave us a rating and review. We do monthly giveaways from these as a thank you. Come hang out with us over on Instagram. Don't forget to look for ways to bloom. We'll see you next week.